Hey guys, how's it going? It's Jaden here from Couch in the Mind, clearing the mind one couch talk at a time. I know I've had a couple of weeks break. I'm actually really looking forward to getting back into interviews again. Um, but first of all, I just want to say, I hope everyone's had a fantastic Christmas. They've got every, everything they wanted, so long as they stayed off the naughty list. And they um, <laughs> did all the good stuff, made, made sure they were treating people right and um, treating themselves right as well. So today I've actually got my grandmother from South Australia on the, um, on the podcast with me today. Gigi, we call her Gigi, but um, she's also known as Rita Wollaston. How are we, Gigi? Very good. Thank you, Jaden. Yep. In fact, I'm feeling really good. Really good. Um, how, how's your time up in Brisbane? Oh, wonderful. Every time I come up here, I have a ball. So the topic we'll be going over today is um, against all odds. And the reason why I've chosen this, this particular um, title was because Gigi uh, was living over in um, England um, during the time of the war. Um, so she was going to go over what it's like, the living conditions, and her, her dad actually uh, served, was served in the army. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he served in the army, mm -hmm. and, and Gigi didn't know him until age seven or eight? Six and a half. Six and mm -hmm. a half. So she's going to go through that. Um, we're going to talk about the mental health side of things, um, how that kind of played a part, um, not knowing her father and, and maybe, you know, having to take cover in the bomb shelters, you know, quite so often when it became such a normality, what it kind of felt like mentally and how she overcame these sort of things. And one other hurdle that we're going to mention is, uh, well, Gigi went through a bit of breast cancer herself. We, we, uh, we try to make light of it, make a joke of it, and we call it 1T Gigi because Gigi <laughs> went through it all. So the reason why we call it 1T Gigi is because she's got a, a fake, um, I'm not going to say, I think you guys know what I'm talking about. But yeah, so she makes light of it. And we're going to also talk about how you get over something so tragic as that. So I'm going to hand it over to Gigi now. And maybe we can start off by uh, maybe talking about, um, you know, living in London and um, the time of the war. Well, number one, I didn't live in London. I lived in St. Helens, Lancashire. And uh, war broke out when I was six months old. And my dad had to go into the army. And... Uh, my mum was left with three children, all under three, and um, a shop and a grumpy old auntie. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very hard for her. She was the one that was suffering. And um, I can remember clearly as, as I grew up, because it took six and a half years for the war, as I grew up, um, it's very clear about the blitz and the bombs and uh, going into the shelters and we had a cellar that we used to go down to um, and it wouldn't be once a night yeah. it could be five times a night six times and uh, it was so it was hard for my mom and of course there were rationing which was oh, shocking no coal uh, everything was by coupon you had to have a book of coupons, you know, only allowed so many. Yeah. It was very hard. Um, and getting over something like that, you know, like, <clears throat> did, it, did it have, like, quite a bad impact on your mental health? I, mean, I know you were quite young at the time. I was um, young, but... Were you confused? I missed a lot. Were you a bit yeah. confused um, as to why you had to take cover in, a, in this bomb shelter so frequently? Yes, did, you, did you have an understanding yeah. of what, yeah. what a, a war was at that, at that age? Only when I, later on. Uh, as I, I, I was about five and a half, I realised what war was and what, what it was doing. Yeah. But um, it was not pleasant. Uh, 
there was a terrific blitz in Liverpool, which wasn't far away from me. Um, and it just shook everywhere. It was, it was dreadful. But anyway, when I was about three and a half, I had a whooping cough. And my dad was sent for compassionate leave. Yep. Um, when he came, I didn't know him. I just didn't know him at all. And um, of course, I was sick as well. So that was about half past. And uh, he was allowed 24 hours. And he'd come from North Africa. And he managed to get a week compensation leave. Yep. And by the end of the week, I to know him really well, you know, because he sat with me all the time. And what was that like, you know, being finally being able to meet your, oh, your father? Wonderful. Oh, he was a lovely did man. You, did you see him as a father figure or do you see him more like uh, someone that you could not rely on, but someone that you, you can look up to, to to get you through something difficult? Yeah, someone to look up to, but actually he was the best dad. He was a fantastic man and... Uh, he was so caring, and uh, yep. uh, it was sad when he had to go back. It affected me a lot when he had to go back again. How did then, you? How did you? How did you manage to get through that time when you when you when you only just got the chance to uh, meet him, and then he had to leave, and you said you were struggling a bit? How did you get through that? Well, stage? I did a lot of crying. I know that for a start because I was the youngest of the three, so. Um, Yes, I was very upset. I think my mum had a job on with me. And then soon after that, I had scarlet fever, which I had to be taken to an isolation hospital for six weeks. I didn't see anybody, my mum or anyone, because it's a fever hospital. So uh, it was that was traumatic when I came back and everybody was waiting for me and I hadn't seen anybody. I, I didn't think they loved me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> And what sort of thoughts were running through your mind when you were in in isolation in this oh, uh, fever ward? I thought I'd been abandoned. Yeah. <laughs> I really did. I had to. I really did think I'd been abandoned. I didn't think my mum loved me anymore, and and she'd be outside, but they wouldn't let her in. Yeah. And I couldn't see her. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, it was it was hard. Mm, it was. But there was a big get together when I got home, you know, as, as much as we were allowed to. Yep. Mm. And for people who may be listening in right now who may have, I mean, it's different nowadays. I mean, obviously, if you've got, in re recent times, you've got COVID, then obviously you've got to be, you know, be in isolation from, from mm. family, friends and, you know, loved ones, so on and so forth. But if someone goes through such a tragic experience, you know, much like the war or, or they're in isolation, mm. what do you think? that you should remind yourself when you're going through that or how do you get through such a tough time? Well, actually, being in isolation with COVID didn't bother me one bit. Um, I, live, I live alone and it, I can't say it really didn't bother me because I, I couldn't have visitors. Yeah. So it was hard, but there was a lot more worse off than me. Same here in the war, there was thousands worse off than me. And uh, at least my dad came back, and that was the main thing. You know? So is that is that what you probably like for people listening? Is that what you would probably say to yourself, like that that the situation you're in right now 
there are people out there that are going through much more difficult scenarios. Is that something that you would remind yourself to get through the tough times? Yes. Yes, there's always somebody worse off than, yep. than, than other people, you know. Yep. So, uh, and I'm a person that can cope. I think I can cope fairly well with yeah. things that's going on. Um, yeah, it's uh, I kind of overlook things and mm. do it my way. <laughs> like think, the song says. Look, for people who don't know Gigi personally, I think, um, yeah, Gigi um, is one to do things her own in her own sort of way, shape, or form. If you if you stay at her house in the morning, it sounds like the bloody train station's going off. So four a.m. in the morning, that the kettle's boiling. It's like your bloody nightclub, Gigi's nightclub, um, and then you can hear her slippers. Tipping toeing through the through the corridor, and but, the blinds going, uh, and the blinds going up. <laughs> Five in the morning, it's time to get up. No, but it's good. That's why we love you, Gigi. Um, but lead, I guess leading on from here, this is probably what leads me into the next question I'm going to ask you. Um, fast forward um, to when you uh, got the call that you had um, breast cancer. Yes, that was in uh, 2003. 2003, mm -hmm. and and what was that like finding that news out? Well. Uh, it was a self-examination. I'd had a mammogram two months before. Nothing was picked up. And I realised there was something. So straight off to the doctor. And her reaction was, don't book any holidays. So that was a bit of a blow. Because um, we always like to go on holiday. But she said, don't book any. So I knew then there was something. Yep. The following day, it was uh, biopsy. And, uh, and then straight after the Royal Adelaide Hospital, uh, I went on the Thursday, and I think I was operated the following Wednesday. Mm. And uh, it was straightforward. Uh, they said they'd got the hope, well, hopefully they've got everything. Yep. There, there was lymph nodes and all of that. And, uh, I was in there for about a week, came home, then I started, I'd go on a course of radiotherapy for six weeks. But the best way I got over it was we were having a big pergola built at the time and all the wood had been delivered, it was all on boards. And I said, let's start painting because it'll be easier to do it down here and up on so yep. that's I, I just let things go. We just used to go off for the radiotherapy and come back and I'd get my painting gear out. And, and I reckon that was the best thing I could have done. Mm. So you reckon keeping your mind Keep occupied? Keeping your mind occupied, yeah. And um, I mm. guess doing something else where you can, maybe something that's going to take a little while to get through. That's right. So yeah. that way yeah. on the tough of day, the toughest days you can, you can focus yeah. and yeah. spend your time doing that. That's right. Uh, and also, I am a bit of a laughing person, as you know. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> you know I'm doing lots of laughing. And uh, I always, there again, there was people worse off than me, a lot far worse off than me with cancer. And, uh, but this was how I coped with it. Um, yeah. 
So I guess when you're going through something such as tragic and difficult as that, mm. you just you've got to remind yourself to focus on something else rather than putting all your your yeah. strenuous thoughts and yes. um, yeah. all these yeah. negative things in your mind. Mm. Just focus on something where you know it's a long term thing to, to actually get it done rather than yes. rather yeah. than spending all your time worrying about something that can't be changed. That's right. You can, there's nothing you can do once you've lost it. Yeah. And uh, I found the most worrying part was being fitted for a prosthesis. Yeah. Uh, oh, I couldn't like that. I, and, I um, do you mind, because um, I, I don't know what that means. I'm sure other people wouldn't know oh, either. Oh, it's a false, a false boom. <laughs> Oh really? I didn't know you. Didn't know you had one, did you? Oh, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I have a nickname of One Two Gigi. And what does that mean? Well, you named it, didn't you? <laughs> I've no you idea. I've no, I don't. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, well, One Two Gigi. <laughs> Hashtag One Two Gigi. So it's it's just been a standing joke, yeah. which which isn't a joke, but it is a joke, and I I, I just I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's not spoiling my life through being called one two Gigi. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's enhanced it. Yeah. My question is, how can you stay? How do you stay so positive when you go through all this sort of stuff? All these, and this is why I kind of called the uh, the episode. Against all odds, because of those, uh, especially for those two scenarios that I've mentioned in this yeah. episode, I'm sure there are many other ones throughout your life, but those two are, are quite difficult and tragic experiences yes, that you yeah. went through. Mm, mm. How do you just stay so positive? Because you know you're sitting here with me right now, and you can talk about it like as if it doesn't affect you when you look back and think about it. Well, I realise now. I mean, I'm 81 now, so... Are you? I thought you were 65. <laughs> if only. <laughs> um, so I'm lucky to get to 81. I'm yep. very lucky. And I look at it that way. And uh, I've had a good life, especially since I came to Australia. And, um, yeah, it was... We came here with my daughter... Husband, myself, and that was it. A case, a suitcase. Yeah. And we've done a lot in Australia. It was a really good move. And how do you how do you start all over again? Especially because you didn't know anyone in Australia. How did you how did you find a job? How did you meet people? How did you just start over again? Well, my husband worked at Pilkington's last church, which was the home of Pilkington's flats. Yep. And uh, we stayed in a hostel in the city for three weeks with iron bars and uh, someone came in one day and he he said you know that man and he used to work with him in Pilkington two days later he had a job oh well that's awesome Mm -hmm. but I always said he wouldn't need a car in Pilkington well that was an understatement wasn't it it was a distance (laughs) and yeah we've moved around in, in South Australia, we've moved around quite a lot, and uh, it, we've had a good life. It was a great life. We had a golf shop and had that for about 15 years, and uh, yeah, and I've never been back for a holiday. 
I, I couldn't have flown back. You see, usually it was 76 hours because I was about 12 and I was pregnant. And you had, had enough of the long distance I travel. could not do that, Jenny, no. Well, the, the biggest question I'm about to ask you right now, and I'm sure other people will be wanting and eager to know, uh, when it comes to the Ashes series, who do you go get, go for, the Australians or the Poms? Now that's the question. <laughs> um, it used to be England, but now I'm a real Aussie. It's Australia. Good answer, Gigi. Good answer. Thank you. I'm yeah. sure everyone will be happy. I am about so that. happy in Australia. Always happy. And going back to what I was saying before, in terms of you know you're starting your whole life again, moving to Australia, not knowing anyone, finding a job, finding people you know, oh, building yeah. relationships. How do you do that? How do, like to for people to have an understanding of that? Like say for example, I said to you, "Hey Gigi, I'm going to go travelling for six months mm. into a country that I don't know. Um, I don't, I've never been to. I don't know anyone there, but I'm going to try and find work. Mm-hmm. Where would you start?" Um, so that way you're not overwhelmed with all these questions. Yes. Uh, just just be yourself. Get to know people. Be friendly with them. Let them know that you're really keen to work. And uh, go with the flow. And you get and if, with your, your attitude, you will get a job. Yep. You know? And I feel... You can't walk in bombastically yeah. and say, it's like when we came, we didn't know one person when we came. And the taxi driver that took us from the airport to the hostel, he couldn't speak English and he said, where is he? <laughs> <laughs> so he couldn't even understand what you were saying. So he couldn't understand them. So he's kind of pretty much in the same boat and as And he you. was in the same boat and I felt sorry for him because, <laughs> I mean, we were... Never been near the place, no idea where it was. Mm. But we ended up having a lot. We finally broke the ice between each other, you know. Yep. But it's uh, it's just such a great place, you know. And, yep. and it's, I think, oh, it, it wasn't easy when we first came. You know, you've got to, because I was pregnant, so the first thing is find a doctor in the hospital and yep. school for Mary. And uh, it's... But I had a very good next door neighbour. She was wonderful. Yeah. And she told me all the ropes of what to do and where, where to go. And it, it was it was good. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So pretty much what you're saying is <laughs> is if you're if you're wanting an eager to do something like that, mm-hmm. you've got to be in the right mindset to be able to do it. Oh, and yeah. you probably want to set probably low expectations rather than setting all these high expectations right, that you're gonna yeah. achieve A, B and C. Yeah. Maybe just going with the flow more so. Yes, Having a bit of an understanding as to where you want to go, what you want to do, but just going with the flow and not setting any expectation at all. That's exactly right. Don't uh, um, be be fairly humble because you, you don't know where you, you don't know anything what's going on. And yep. people who are willing to help you, and the Australians was always willing. Yep. And uh, and I only got called a pong twice. <laughs> so. Um, no, we settled. Riley had a great education, so did Jeff when he was born. Yep. And uh, it's been the best move we ever made. So, but uh, it's different when you first come. A lot of people that were on that plane we came on went back again. You know, 
just basically they missed the whole life. Yeah, that's yep. right. They missed the whole life. Yeah. I mean, look, I miss mum and dad terribly, but they came two years after. Mm. Yeah. So that was lovely. And we all lived at us. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Going back to it was something you me- you mentioned just before, you were saying how you use laughter as a form of getting through yes. difficult stuff. Mm. Uh, why do you think it, it's so important for people to laugh and, and just kind of shrug things off rather than kind of holding on to maybe some things that have happened in the past or recent activities or scenarios that they've been um, involved with that they weren't fond of or they've had a negative impact on themselves? Well... Like I said, laughter is, is a good thing. It's, it's a brilliant thing. Sometimes you can't laugh. But in my case, I think laughter's been a cure. Yeah. Um, I really do. And I laugh at anything, as you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, in some cases, people are in a position mentally that they can't laugh and they can't see yeah. that side of things and I feel for those people. It's inter- interesting you say that because I feel like sometimes when you're in a really bad headspace you're against your you're, you're in competition with your mind in that you want to laugh but you don't want to because you feel like your mind's beating you you know yes. like yeah. you yeah. want to keep you want to keep winning this race right. yeah. and by yeah. and mm-hmm. having the ability to do that is to try and see how long you can last without laughing. Yes. Without showing any yeah. signs mm. of happiness and, and that that sort of forms a word. That that's that's exactly right. I want you yeah. I want you to overcome that hurdle and like, maybe it's because some people don't want to talk about certain things. So mm. I think if you can overcome that hurdle and open yourself up, let the walls mm. down yeah. and then start to laugh at things. Yes. I think yeah. well, I think you're right. I think life does become a little bit easier. Life becomes so much easier. You see the other side of life once you start letting things go and laughing then yeah. uh, I'm a real good laugher <laughs> so there you are I'm an example <laughs> <laughs> and um what does the future hold for you GD you getting back into employment you're gonna <laughs> what 81 no thank you I, I, like... I saw I saw on I think it was lad bible there was there was some old bloke who was working at McDonald's and he was about in his 80s it's never too, never oh, too old I to think start. I saw that oh no well I could see you flipping some burgers, Gigi. Yeah, I'd love to go back into a shop again. Oh, I thought that was lovely in the shop life, running your own shop. Could you do it again? Yeah. When you, when you um, get, get yourself out there. Oh, yeah. I could see you working at Miller's. Oh, no. no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, my dad had a shop, and it was all clothes and dressery and drapery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I worked there before I... When I left school, I was an assistant, window dresser. Yeah, but who knows, Gigi? You still, still got plenty of living to do. I'd like to think so. Yeah, but I think the odds are a bit. <laughs> oh, and then you could also, I mean, if we if we if we're talking about taking things off the bucket list, you could even try and um, <laughs> oh, pass your learners on your. your oh no, I could drive. never, never, never. Why never, not? No, there's no reason why you can't. I don't want to drag. Oh, you'd be I... great. You'd be like Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> I'd be the slowest driver in the world. No, I never, never wanted to drive. What, are you, are you scared of driving or something? I think I'd be too slow. Yeah, I did take lessons. Oh, I didn't realise that you're not slow normally with everything you do. <laughs> <laughs> I 
with driving gear. No, I, I wouldn't. Okay, here's your car. And there would be one stage you were carrying your bra all day, and somebody banned. Yeah. And somebody said, why didn't they, why didn't you learn and get the car out? I said, no. Yeah. I value other people's lives. <laughs> <laughs> what, about, what about the, um, <clears throat> the electric scooter? Like, you know, the, like the old people use? With the little flag on the side? I'm not to that stage yet. Or, or even um, a walker? No, I'm not to that stage yet. I've still managed. That's all right, Gigi. When you get there and, and you need someone to wipe you, wipe <laughs> you down, I'll be there for you, Gigi. <laughs> I'll remember that. I'll hold you to I'll that. Prom I promise you I will. <laughs> all right. But um, is there anything else you may want to go over today in terms of um, maybe something that the listeners might be able to learn from something that you've gone through? Well, the big thing is for me, my family. Yep. I've got the most wonderful family. And uh, unfortunately, it's so far away, but if I can get up here, so many times a year, see you all, have fun, and I'm worn out by the time I get back from here. And then I've got a minute in Adelaide, and uh, I just live for my family. Yeah. yeah. And that's... I think that's a happy conclusion. That, yeah. That's another thing too. I think, unfortunately, for some people, yeah. they don't. They, I mean, don't, they don't have that a family environment, or they no. maybe have things that they might hold on to from you know something that a parent said. I'm not going to go into details, Gigi, because I think you know what I'm talking about yes, in terms I of do. holding on to. So <laughs> you, you can relate a little bit to some someone in your in, uh, yes. in your family, but yes. uh, for other people out there that may be going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. I think if you can have if you have the opportunity to kind of sit down and, and work things out because the longer the longer you hold into things the yes. the worse things become yeah. and the, the longer you you burden yourself in your mind with all this negativity you that's, know why that's not correct mm. even if even if you're you're not, you're not in the wrong and you've got mm -hmm. to just take part of the blame just to move on why not do it and you just let things go that's you know right. exactly and let sleeping dogs lie let, um, yeah. let sleeping dogs mm. lie that's exactly right. That's right. But yeah. thank you very much today, Gigi. It's been a pleasure. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Gigi. But as always, Gigi. Thank you for I'll, the opportunity. <laughs> I'll come down to South Australia oh. when the when uh, when we can. All right. I'll, I'll visit you and I'm looking forward to you chucking the kettle on at five a.m. in the morning. <laughs> Get ready, I'll be it'll be on. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, I hope uh, you enjoyed this episode of Couch in the Mind, clearing the mind on couch talk at a time. And the topic today was against the odds, and I had um, my grandmother on, Rita Wilson, aka GG, also known as One T GG, which is which is um, an acronym for One T GG. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys enjoyed this video, uh, feel free to like, share, and comment it, uh, on it. And as always, if you need me for anything, just um, you know where to message me on the uh, Catch in the Mind page. All right, guys, that's all from me, and I'll see you in the new year. Catch you later.